Welcome to my podcast, In the Know. My series of interviews with amazing people doing amazing things as I travel around the world of no-tell. Hello and welcome to In the Know, where I, Amal Sarva, co-founder of Notel, bump into all kinds of interesting people, talk to them about how to make ideas spread and make them big. Today I've got an unbelievable guest. I don't even know why she said yes. Martha Stewart. And we sat down and talked for almost an hour about how she got started, how she got big, how she was so clever in her business dealings, transactions, some of the ugly stuff, some of the most amazing stuff, what it's like to be a woman leader in a world that's lots of male business leaders, and how to keep the creative fire burning. Enjoy. So thank you for making time to talk with us. Uh, I thought we might introduce ourselves a little bit to you, yes, so you can know why on earth you accepted this meeting. So yeah, what do we do though, uh, since you asked? Uh, we, we actually, I want to take some of your office space. That's what we do. Yes. We do flexible office. Uh, you may have heard of flexible office before. Yes, they used to use this other name, these, these are rugrats that are out there, they call it co-working. Or, or, or work, work. That one, yeah. No, not co-working, but there's the other one. Yeah, I know, the one, I won't say that anymore. I'll make you remember you it. But we're bigger than them in New York. You and are? in San Francisco, oh. and in Paris, oh. and soon in London, and uh, there'll be a bunch more cities where we do that, too. We're in a bunch of cities, uh, we're in five countries, and we're expanding how a many, bunch. So how many offices altogether? We have, we're coming up on 200 buildings that we oh, run wow. for owners, and we put companies in it. But you, if you lose interest, or you lose focus, or you get bored, that's the end. That, yes. So talk to me about that. This is an enterprise built around the creative fire inside you. Am I right? Or? Yes. Uh, yes. Um, originally, it was a magazine. That's how it started. First, first Even before that, you had books. Well, yeah. First, yeah. I started books in 1982. Um, I found my voice. I realized which that you I, lost yesterday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which I could actually, I could actually write books and conceive of books and subjects for books and focus on lifestyle. I collect them in thrift, by the way. There's one on my desk right now. Thank you. I think it's called Cooks. Martha Stewart Cooks. Would that be one of them? That's, well, there's, yeah. there's cooking. Oh, maybe that's the one, yeah. But I, um, but I, I really thought I could, could make a business out of lifestyle. And at the same time, um, I was approached by a very large company called Kmart to design home products. This is one of the masterful deals in yes, business history. That was the best. And so uh, not only did I have that designing beautiful product at a very good price for the homemaker, I was also starting to really cover all subjects related to the home. Mm -hmm. um, I Can I rewind you for one sec though? Yes. You believed that lifestyle could be a business. I did. I meet entrepreneurs often uh, being male, you know, the topic of like women in venture and women in entrepreneurship comes up from time to time and I try to pay attention. I'm not really vividly aware firsthand of what happens. But even right now today, someone wants to start a hair coloring line and the first question out of the venture capitalist's mouth is, do people really do that? How big a market is it? Is it really going to work? Does it hair color? Care? Yeah. Ask Clairol. Well, you know. yeah, these dummies though. Yeah. That's what they, and so today people are confronted with that kind of attitude and you had actually a far more expansive vision Quite some time earlier, I believe there can be a lifestyle business. How was your message received? Well, the first first negative was my publisher. My uh, I've had the same publisher since 1982. I still have them. I've now gotten a second publisher to to take the books that they don't want. And I said, um, 
could, I, could we do, um, could I do a series of beautiful how-to books for the home? Oh, no, nobody wants that. Even my own publisher, I, I had just been doing cookbooks, basically, and a book on weddings and a book on gardening. That wasn't enough. They thought, I wanted to do more. I wanted to do all my core content areas. And I presented it to them formally, and they said no, they weren't interested. Um, in fact, that same publisher made its whole reputation on lifestyle books henceforth. Oh, so they had dudes, oh, after, after. but before. So you had to create the concept for them. They were still I skeptical. created the concept, they said no, and I tried to think what other business could I possibly start that would address all these areas. And it was a magazine. Because a magazine comes out every month, you can just make the magazine, whatever you want to make it. You design the magazine, you design the content. So I wrote a business plan, my first business plan. And uh, that that plan and, and, and the, the, the blad for it, you call it a blad, you know, it's a, it's a presentation, a visual presentation, um, was all about what it would, what it would, what it would focus on, what it would address. And I took it first to Cy Newhouse. He gave me the money to do a prototype. And then when he wanted it, he wanted to know the name. And I said, well, Living, Martha Stewart Living. That would be a good title. And he said, no, you're working at Condé Nast. It has to be Condé Nast Living. And, I, and he said, here, take your prototype. You can have it. Uh, we can't do it. Oh, really? And yeah. So then I went to... Um, Another famous publisher, Rupert Murdoch. Rupert Murdoch said, um, "said uh, I love this idea. I think it's brilliant." But he said, "I'm I'm selling my magazine. I'm selling Seventeen magazine, and I'm selling everything. So I, I don't, I'm not going to focus on magazines." He was actually uh, he actually sort of perceived of the of the problems magazines would face mm. in the in the future. He was working on Netscape at the time. Remember Netscape? Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, so then I went to Time, which was completely busy with magazines, and they actually loved the idea, and they partnered with me, and they put up the money, I put up the, 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 the idea, and, um, and I, at the same time... And the work, and your reputation, and your identity. And I actually asked them, um, you know, if this doesn't work out, how much, how much could I have this magazine back for? Oh, you got an option on the, at I the beginning. Yeah, ah. I got a good option. And, uh, and they wrote it on a piece of paper, which was silly, but they did it. And so I had that piece of paper. Oh. And, Where did um, you keep it? In one of these beautiful files? No, it's we were so here organized at that here. Time. We were, they put us on the worst floor in the Time Inc. building up on 6th Avenue, the floor that was just above the mechanical floor. So our feet were swollen all the time because the floor was hot from all the, the windows didn't open. There was no natural gas to cook in. So we had a hard time working in that space. That's when I went to, uh, no, then I went from there to 42nd Street to the New Yorker building, oh, yeah. right across from the public library, because I had a terrace, I could open the windows, we yeah. had natural gas, all that was important. So and you took this piece of paper with you, this yeah. magic oh, I, piece I of paper. I kept that piece of paper. Mm -hmm. And then when we moved, then we moved from there to here when we really started to expand. And we had, we had at one time five magazines. Mm. And so we were growing, growing, growing. This, But I bought myself back when we first moved here from time, um, and, um, because they didn't, I didn't want to synerg They didn't want to synergize the way I wanted to synergize. Uh -huh. Synergy to them. cross sell subscriptions work. or something. No, do oh, TV content. Oh yeah, do TV. Why do TV? You're gonna, you're going to, you know, you're going to conflict with a magazine. I said, no, it's not. It's only going to help. Their folly. They didn't believe in the 
power of the video, and they didn't even believe at that time, this is before AOL, they didn't believe in the internet. And, uh, and I did, I believed in all of that. I was an early Did you doctor. call it Omnimedia by yes. that point? Yes, that was the I mean, name. can there be a more ambitious and far-reaching name was, for business? And it was probably the first business plan with that name in it. I wow. don't know if that's true or not, but when I break my autobiography, I'll do it. I think it's the first and only I, I've ever heard of. Yeah. I think you've owned it since yeah. the time it tumbled out of your mouth. Yeah, and that was that was it. And it was a solar system. The business plan was a solar system. Content was the center. And then we went from content to to print. Mm -hmm. And we went to internet. Then we went, uh, oh, print, no, merchandising. Then internet. So you are burnishing your credentials for me, yes. far beyond what I was aware of, in deal-making and uh, visionary seeing of shift from technology. But, but I also I, had a friend ah. um, who uh, climbed Kilimanjaro with me, and on the way, and I didn't know her when we went up Kilimanjaro, we went... You know forward. Fabian loves to climb, right? The um, Marley's yeah. Spoon guy. Yeah. The four of us went up Kilimanjaro, just as a, as a joke. You know, I, I, I had never climbed a mountain. I had never been to Africa. Uh, I had been to Morocco, but I hadn't been to Kenya. So um, we decided we would take this this hike, uh, this long hike at a high altitude <laughs> together. And she was from McKinsey. Oh. And another woman was a writer, and another woman, the fourth woman, was um, Sandy Pittman. Do you know who Sandy Pittman is? Uh, Pittman's wife, relative, ex-wife. Okay. Who was a ferocious athlete, and she had already climbed six peaks. Uh, no, it was five peaks, and Kilimanjaro was going to be her sixth okay, peak. Okay, and so this was going to be your Everest first little was walk. Be her seventh. <laughs> and uh, she's the one who got in all that trouble at the whole the whole debacle on Everest when everybody died. Oh, that I didn't know. Pittman. I was supposed to be on that climb. Um, luckily, I was going public at the time and couldn't go. But um, but anyway, it gets you know it's all it's all okay. Um, so deal maker, technology visionary, and uh, wise travel selector. Yes. So Sharon and I talked all the way up about my business, and she was at McKinsey. She and she had started ESPN for uh, for um, the guys who own Madison Square Garden, the Dolan family, and she had started all this stuff at McKinsey. She knew media, she knew air traffic control, she knew a whole lot of interesting businesses. What's Sharon's last name again? Sharon Patrick. Sharon Patrick. I should look her up. And uh, I don't know what she's doing now after my my, uh, my run in with the law. Um, we had to fire her because she was trying to take the business away from me. Oh, you guys were getting into... No, she was trying to just... She didn't believe in Martha. The mm. lawyers told her not to have anything to do with me, and how stupid. Mm. You know, she didn't believe me. She was believing the facts, the non-facts. More folly. Yeah. So um, so she had to go, and unfortunately, because I've never spoken to her again. She, well, I shouldn't say it that way. She hasn't spoken to me again. Mm. And um, my daughter and Sharon had a huge falling out. Have you spoken much? I think that that thing, the running with the law, was a fucking sexist inquisition. Mm. I am mad about it, and uh, I wonder if you think of it on that dimension. It was probably unfair in a lot of different ways, but the idea that an ambitious woman can build a big business, lead it, and then look at what all these other people do, and then they go after... But I didn't do anything. So mm. that was really... The, and my lawyers sold me down the river. Mm. They sent me right away. But can we talk about the sexist inquisition? Yeah. I want to know more about that. Well, Marty Lipton, do you know who he is? Wattel sure. Lipton? Yes. Marty, when when I was presenting the business to them and saying, you know, I really want to go public, mm. and he was scoffed at it. 
He said, oh, what are you, what are you talking about? You're, you're, you can't have any, any of the stock. You can't sell any of it. He restricted. I said, but Ralph Lauren sold $300 million worth on the offering. Why can't I? Oh, no, it'll look bad. They gave me the worst advice. And I got the worst advice from my bankers, from Marty Lipton, my lawyers. And, um, and it proceeded. And I, I forgave them at the offering part. And I shouldn't have been. Looking back, I have nothing to forgive. I should have, I should have sued them all because they were so, so stupid. But, um, and he sent me an orchid after the open. He said, I can't believe it can't believe it. Your own lawyer is not a believer, which is a very bad kind of person. So that, I'll write all about that in my autobiography. I don't want to cover all that now. He's an old sick man and I couldn't care less mm. about him. Mm. Um, what a jerk. But you're not using the language of gender and sexism no, as you described. I, I am not a feminist. Mm -hmm. I am a hard-working person who had a great idea and built something mm -hmm. around that idea with great, great hard work. I mean, I work really hard. I still work really hard. And um, and I'm not at all, I, I people this company with more women than men. I don't care if you're gay, straight, whatever. I don't care if you're male or female. If you have this alike passion to me and work really hard, you have a place here. You dance backwards. Yes. I have noticed a pattern in uh, impressive women that I've had the, 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 the privilege to meet that um, some of them uh, do what Fred Astaire did except backwards and in heels, is that line, I guess, about Ginger Rogers. Uh, and others don't see the world that way. But and listening to you, it sounds like... I can like, go around the room. Yeah. I can climb up and all that. I can walk on the ceiling. Let's talk about the creative fire. So you run a creative business. Uh, a lot of it starts, you know, in your head, wherever you're walking in the garden or running or something. Um, yeah, is that is that the heart of? Uh, no, it started in my house. Yeah, I but just, I mean, you know, from day to day, the new things, the different directions, the cover of the magazine, the whatever. I just came up with a great idea. I saw the I saw the the physical of my great idea today, and I showed it to somebody here. I don't even want to share it because. Sequential is not the place to share it with. I'll talk about that too if you want. <laughs> no need, no need. Yeah, but um, but so so inspiration strikes you, and I presumably there are some other collaborators that you find great creative foils or sources for ideas here, and that's what you've been trying to build in part. Yes. But but more broadly, you can't be a whole bunch of creative geniuses, and that's it. It is an enterprise that takes these things and delivers well, them. Yeah, to a but it's, it started way back. I mean, it started mm -hmm. in uh, like when we went public. I don't even remember. I don't. Even, I don't even know the year. Or something like that. Yeah, about. Yeah, about. I, I, I'm terrible with years. I don't think about age. I don't think about how many mm -hmm. years have passed by. Nothing. I never do that. Um, but so when we went public, it just uh, proved to me that, and that that was a great, powerful moment because I'm serving cupcakes and croissant and um, tea and coffee to the to the New York Stock Exchange guys, the traders. Um, uh, and they had never had that before. Nobody had ever bothered to give them food at, the, at an opening. And the, and the stock reached you know, amazing heights that first day. And it stayed there for a long time. Hmm. So, um, so we, and we had a kind of clean company. Sharon and I really cared. We shared an office. She had, we had these two French postman's desks that she faced me and I faced her. And they were a, a tall bookcase. How did you divide the roles? 
uh, she she was supposed to be the president and I was supposed to be the CEO. Mm -hmm. She was supposed to really design the contracts, write the contracts, read the contracts. I'm 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 horrible about that. Same. I don't like to do it either. And, um, but was it about contracts or people too? Like, were, was she running big teams of people that were? No, I was running. I was running all oh. the teams of people okay. because it was a very creative business. It was designers, graphic artists, um, idea people, and at that time, it was. This was right before we started making amazing product. You know, our Kmart business um, grew in I think in about two or three years to a billion six in volume. That was a huge business at that time. And it was really great merchandise, and we designed. Everything. Oh, I had a lot of it. We designed of it. everything in house. Um, we did all the packaging. We did all the photography. I did all the commercials. If you watch my my uh, reel of Kmart commercials, you'd be astonished. They were so charming, and so evocative, and so useful. And people knew people knew what the product was, and they were cute. They had a real sense of humor. Uh, a guy called David Metcalf. Uh, wrote all the <clears throat> wrote all the commercials, and we went we went into fields. We went on the top of a hill in uh, in Arizona, one of those big red rocks or something, and we had we strung lines of, of sheets across them. All you know, and actually was, that description, I I think I remember the image. You might have, yeah. but it was brilliant. It was all wonderful. Um, well, it sounds like a record label or Pixar or something. Yeah, that we you're running we. With. We wanted to be part of American culture, mm -hmm. and I, I wanted to get to the largest possible number of people with the best possible product at the best possible price. So I was I was avant garde in that too because merchants weren't thinking that way. Mm -hmm. You know, but Kmart was first thinking. They told me I said I want pink and pale blue and mint green sheets. They said, Oh no 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 no. People who shop here don't wash their laundry very much, and we need to have very dark colors, dark brown, dark green, dark maroon, dark navy. And I said, well, that's not what I want. I said, let's try. The first year we were out, the best-selling sheet was white, and it had never been before at Kmart. And the uh, best-selling towel was a pale, a beautiful pale taupe color, and it had never been before. So I proved something to them, and then they started to listen to me, and they did. And I still have all my garden tools that we made for Kmart. I'm modeling my new garden tools on those tools because six ninety nine for a set of secateurs that anybody else sells for sixty five dollars, and these were six ninety nine, and you can still do it. Can we talk creative process and collaboration? Yeah. I'm curious about that. You're the leader of a large organization, and you have been for quite a bit. A lot of different orientations, a lot of different topics. Leader, also maybe the star player, you know, to use the metaphor of a team, you know? Yeah. Um, how, how is it? How do you think about it? I mean... Well, I finally, we started to learn how to run a company. Um, it was always very equitable. My, my big insistence, and I, I still feel that way, and it does not work in a, in a licensing company like, like I'm in now, uh, is that business is equal in every respect to creative. And the salaries must be comparative and compar comparable. They must be, um, they must um, honor the, the, the job that the creatives do as well as what the people who are responsible for the bottom line do because without the creative, you don't have any business. 
and I stuck with that all mm -hmm. the way. And it was mm -hmm. terribly important for me to do that. So forwarding the status of the creative people in the organization sounds like one part. Yeah. But when you're in the room with your colleagues and collaborators, um, what's it like? Are there others that you look to, that you follow, that you challenge, that you expect to challenge you? Yeah, you... I, but my business has changed. See, mm -hmm. we're, we're, back, we're back 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, the business has changed drastically since I sold it. I sold it to sequential brands. Mm -hmm. Whose logo's over there at the reception. Yeah. And uh, that's a licensing company. So that's a very, uh, I sold it because um, I was, um, I promised uh, that we would uh, keep designers, we would keep designing the product, the, the packaging, we would do it all the same. We would sort of revolutionize licensing. Um, it's a very different thing than by doing sort of whole product licensing, like yes. the finished perfect yes. thing that which you is what in. Iconics didn't do. You, do you know the company Iconics? Heard of them, yeah. Well, they were the biggest licensing company, and they've gone almost bankrupt. Mm. And other licensing companies have followed suit, and and it's sad because they are not um, they are not being productive, and they are not changing the model. There's a model of licensing that does this too old fashioned and doesn't work. And I found that out rudely too quickly. Uh, and and uh, too soon after selling my company. Do you still have a bunch of designers and stuff around oh, here? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. My stuff is still being designed pretty much the way it was. Mm -hmm. um, we also licensed our magazine away to Meredith, mm. which is now downtown. They bought time. They, my, my magazine is now being published by my first publisher uh, down in, in the southern part of New, Jersey, uh, New York in the financial district. It is so weird. But I've had, you know, I've been everywhere in a yeah. very short period of time. So you have a lot of different levels of control, I guess, on the things that bear your name I try your very brand. hard to. Sometimes it's a bit <clears throat> further than you'd like. Other times yes. it's real close. It's very hard uh, when you are the brand and you are, I'm a living uh, example of the brand, uh, to make sure that your sensibility, your taste level, your design capability is reflected mm -hmm. in each and every product. How do you get it? You demand it? You insist on it? I, do you persuade I work, them? Do you I work, model it? Like, I have how do you... several people here who still feel the same way. Mm -hmm. And we work very hard to make it happen that way. Um, and, and it's harder work. And it's uh, less profitable, really, unless you have really good the really good business team selling the stuff or the really good retailers selling mm -hmm. the stuff. So uh, it's, it's very complicated. Yeah. And I, I well, But what's the feeling of that hard work that is complicated? Is it, are you demanding it or are you hard work? persuading? Yeah. I mean, no, no, so no. you're across the table here, with the it's, it's six, producer. Come here at 6 p.m. Mm -hmm. The design teams are here. Other offices are empty. Mm -hmm. It's a different mentality. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did not build. Mm -hmm. And I, I miss that. So it's by being great that you persuade the factory in China yeah. to get the print exactly right and show it to them how it really should yeah. be, and you get on the plane and you're there it's and like you're like, that guys. Any designer, mm -hmm. uh, you know, take any any high fashion designer. They are there, touching the fabric, pinning the seams, uh, tucking the tucks, and they are really, really, really adamant that it has to be that way. Mm -hmm. And what about your energy? Like, when do you, when, when does it become a bit tiresome? I mean, the theme I had in mind was, and you've surprised me a lot, but what I had on my mind uh, as we started talking was this, this, this huge enterprise all around the world, you know, the logo, the ideas, all this stuff everywhere. At, at some point, like, can you still feel as energized by the creative fire that got it all going when you're compromising on something and trying to get things shipped on well, the right day? Well, business is business, and you have to realize that business changes, too. 
uh, everything changes. Um, Macy's, our biggest customer, is going, you know, they're in they trouble. They may not be around, yeah. They're in trouble because, and I saw it happening, I tried to, tried to persuade them that selling on Alibaba would be a good thing, okay? Wow. I went to Guangzhou, I visited with Jack Ma three times, and I love that company. I love what they do because they're so different from Amazon. That's where I got this shirt. Oh, you did? Nigerian oh, you did? top, yeah. Uh, but they're so different. They don't take any of the risks that Amazon takes. All they do is put the buyer with the seller. It's the greatest idea on earth, devised by a little school teacher, you know, Jack. And I love that guy. And, um, and, and I saw it right away. I just, I understood the company right away. I think that's why we got along because I, I actually understood what he was trying to do. And I told Macy's, I said, gosh, yeah, all this product is being manufactured in the country where the customer lives and needs and Let's wants sell it, it back to them in their own marketplace. Yes, yeah. do it. Yeah. And nope. Oh, they had some kind of exclusive that blocked you from marketing through other channels. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And we were, we hmm. were, this is, because I signed a very lucrative mm -hmm. uh, contract with Macy's when I came out of jail. You know, I was in jail for five months, but a lot happened in that time. Mm -hmm. uh, Eddie Lampert uh, bought Kmart. Right. Remember him? Yes. And I'll look where, where's still, Kmart. He uh, still troubles us today. Where's Kmart? Where's Sears? I had a huge paint business with Sears and mm -hmm. fabulous. Where's all that? It's mm -hmm. all gone. Most workspaces today are vying for millennial attention by creating unlimited beer and ping pong tables. Those are all great things to do. Maybe at work, maybe not at work, but it's completely missing the point, which is that our minds are increasingly taken up by bullshit and by media that wants us rather than wants to give to us. And at work, in order to expand our creativity, to focus our minds, there are a number of hacks that we can introduce in addition to beer and ping pong, like meditation, like reading Simon Sinek, Seth Godin. But that all aside, it's really about the space that we occupy. So if we're in a cluttered space, our mind is often cluttered. That aside, having a space that is diverse as the people are, that is comfortable, that is easily movable, that can be constructed and reconstructed and deconstructed in the same amounts of time, where you're surrounded by other people that are enjoying that type of space is a pretty cool thing. If the workspace can be a definite workspace, but a good workspace, then you're in business. So this podcast is brought to you by Notel. Thanks for listening. So what's the move? It sounds like you are meditating on some big changes. You've been making a few relaxed comments here on our recording about your thought process. Well, I don't know yet. I'm not yeah. sure yet what will happen, but I know there are other like-minded people, uh, uh, like-minded uh, to me, mm -hmm. that probably would, um, that I would be able to work with in a, in a really um, comprehensive and I thought sequential would be that. Mm -hmm. I don't want to knock sequential. What is this going to? What are you going to do? I just think that um, that I the brand deserves because of its popularity and reaching a hundred million people a month mm -hmm. in the various channels with product, with magazines, with television. We have three television shows running at the same time. That's a lot, and they're very well liked and very well watched. And you have this touch, like your Snoop thing. Allison and I both like rap. 
So do I. She might like it more than me. What's your favorite rapper? Uh, so right now, I mean, I always love Drake. He's one of my favorites. Yeah. I can listen to him over and over again. Yeah. What about yours? Um, I, I, I actually still love Eminem. Can you imagine my first rapper that I ever fell in love with? Yeah. Eminem. And Snoop's, a, Snoop's so much fun. Yeah. And I've met every rapper known to mankind on our show, by the way. Now I know, I'm on first name basis with everybody. And uh, so we've, had, we've had such a, and I was the first one, Snoop, Snoop told me I was the first one to put a rapper on daytime television. Isn't that funny? That's amazing. Because I liked it. He came on several times on my Daily Show, and he was like, he was astonished that this, you know, this white lady in New York, Martha, would want to have rappers on her show and do silly things. But he was great, and we had Puff Daddy. He taught me how to rap, and we had uh, I did a, a lot of things. I did some commercials with Usher, and I did a lot with um, um, who else? Did I do? Oh. Buster Rhymes, remember yes. him? Oh my God, I love him. Yeah, the Bad Boys Tour was yeah. my first concert. He and I, he and I did, did VH1 oh, awards yeah. on Radio City Stage. It's like, okay. And I sewed stuff for him or something. I so remember. you're going to do more rap, Oh yeah, obviously. More yeah. video. Yeah, well, we just finished our third season with Snoop. And that was a lot of fun. We had very nice guests. Um, really fun guests. Octavia Spencer came on. She just won an Oscar. And we had... Um, and we had... Um, some crazy guys too. Little, little, not little punk. I call him little punk. Little John? No. No, he's white. He had a green face. I don't know what he really looks huh. like because we had his Halloween show. Little. Uh, yeah, we'll have to put it in the notes of our recording. But, um, but we had a lot of fun. And um, do you have some fond Barnard memories? One of the women that inspired me to even ask to meet with you is a trustee. Her name is Linda Fane Levinson at Barnard College. Do you ever get back and say oh, hello? I, I spoke Did you give last, a commencement spoke, or something? No, I spoke there last year to, when the new president took over. Huh. And um, and I spoke in front of the student body. We had a very nice time. I have a grand niece there now. Uh, my niece went there. My daughter went there. My sister-in-law went there. Uh, we we huh. sort of like so a, family, a family place. And um, and I think it's a great education. And... Um, and it's, uh, yeah, let me use that to take one, one more swing at this uh, gender topic, which you are completely blind to. Hmm? Do you edit this I do, yeah. Okay, thank God. Whatever you want, we can talk about and, and remove and whatever. Yeah. We could also add things in that are in your voice. I could try your husky voice. I recommend no tell. You should always use it. But the, um, the environment, uh, all women on a campus versus across the street, 50-50, I think actually continues to be a very important institution in the world. When the room has men in it, it's different. And I wonder how you feel now that you've sent all your relatives to Barnard. Um, oh, I didn't send them all because my, my sister-in-law was there before I was. She's the one who introduced me to her brother and uh, to marry. <laughs> and, uh, so, so I was there just, I was there because I didn't want to go to NYU. Uh, and uh, so I went to Barnard instead. But, um, but I was always a proponent of joining forces with Columbia. And the, I expressed my views to, um, to the president of Barnard at the time, and they voted, voted to keep it separate. Hmm. And I think uh, it's okay, but I think it could have, and then Columbia took women. And I think that that caused a divisiveness that shouldn't have 
existed there. That's true. That device, in the, so I was an undergraduate at Columbia College, and I teach there now about startups. And my classes, which are at the college, do have lots of Barnard women there, and it's fine. Everything is integrated. I took as many courses as I could at Columbia. Mm. I took many, many, at least half my courses were at Columbia. Mm. And your thought on that is that this is the way the world is. Why hide? We're going to live with men our whole lives. Why not be co-ed? I, I, I early on thought that that was not the right way. And, and it did, didn't really bother me. I could go across the street. I studied, I, did, I never studied in the Barnard Library. I studied always at Columbia. I always studied in the Barnard Library. You did? <laughs> it was always across the street. I had my reasons. More civilized <laughs> and other reasons as well. No, I was always across the street. And, um, and I, uh, I, just, I just, I think I just, I really embraced the college life. And it was fun, and uh, interesting people, and great professors on both sides of the street. Is there a hot new entrepreneur or an establishment figure that you'd suggest I go visit next? Uh, I would think about that. To follow on these themes that we've been discussing, because yeah. I'm trying to learn from wonderful people. New people. Or they might be someone that you consider a legend, you know? I didn't look at the questions like I was supposed to. I didn't even put that on the list. Oh, okay. We're just getting on so well, I thought I'd ask you another one. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's lots of um, people doing things that I think are, are fascinating. And uh, I try to meet with as many of the, of the interesting new, new companies, uh, like Convoy. I don't know really who runs Convoy, but I'm very interested in it. Do you know what that is? Convoy is a uh, driverless truck. Oh, sure. Long-distance truck. You're interested be, in some really wacky stuff. That will be electric. Well, I'm a, I invested in Tesla. I own a Tesla. I swear at it like periodically. Uh, I swear more at Elon Musk, by the way, than I do at my Tesla. But um, but like the driverless truck, long distance, always full, no wasting of gas, no fossil fuel. Uh, I think it's brilliant, and so I, I invested in Convoy. Um, I'm also very interested in products that that uh, are environmentally sound. Um, that that makes sense, like the refillable mouthwash, the refillable. Did you know that a third of all waste that goes to landfills comes from building construction? Probably. We work in that area at Notel, yeah. so it's sort of on my mind. People throw away a lot of stuff for no reason. But I thought an awful lot also comes from the meat factories. Yeah, it's terrible. Are, are you a little bit vegetarian, or? Oh yeah, a lot, yeah, a lot I'm of not it. Vegetarian, yeah. but I eat fish. Mm. Uh, I've been, I'm, I'm I'm working very closely with a company called True North that raises raises fish, but in deep oceans. Uh, I first discovered them driving my boat around Maine, and there's this big fishery out in the cold, beautiful water, and they were raising salmon, and I now we're selling their salmon because it's so good. And, um, and they, they raise a lot of things, and, um, and, very, and very responsibly. So I'm interested in that kind of farming. Hmm. Uh, I am not interested in factory farms for animals. Hmm. I am not interested. I really like them to go away. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm very interested in organic farming. I'm very interested in like the Bowery. Do you know about the Bowery, the hydroponic growing of greens? I have been hearing about yeah, that. I a, think I'm an investor in a company like that. Bowery Farms. Mine's, yes, mine Bowery might farms. be the loser. Your, yours might be the winner. Well, they're very good, and they're, it's the nephew of a friend of mine too. And but brilliant, and he's making and they're growing such beautiful things. I grow all my own stuff, so I don't even buy anything. I, I every day I we pick my spinach, my parsley, my cucumbers for my green juice, 
So I grow everything all the time. I have my own chickens. I, hmm. I live on a farm. Do you commute every day? Oh, yeah. That's why you're here on the west side. Yeah. It's a fast No, that's, I just happen to be on the west side. Oh, okay. I, okay. I had my office before I had my farm. Oh, I see. And luckily, it's, uh, it's convenient. We're thinking of opening some notels a little bit further uptown near Columbia because that area is getting kind of nice. Uh, maybe we'll give you a touchdown be, spot over there at some nice. spot. But well, the, we'll give you we'll give you a farm on the roof. I would have that. Yeah. But the but the most I could have one right upstairs. I mean, we have a we have a big roof right here above, above me. Mm -hmm. uh, but I have there's there are lots and lots of kinds that kind of company that really interests me. Mm -hmm. um, and I try I try things myself. I sometimes think, oh gosh, why didn't I invest more in this or that? But I sort of invest in my own research, and I invest in my own laboratories. We have mm -hmm. my laboratories are my homes that have developed massive numbers of products that we've um, that we've created here, and so it's a little insular. Uh, it might seem like it's not, but it is a little insular. Well, the laboratory is the place where you do deep thinking and experimentation, yes. and from it you emerge with something I've new, and you need some isolation. I've books. Do you know that? I guess I have the oldest one. Yeah, <laughs> some catching up to do. <laughs> Ninety-four books. Wow! And we just came out with a Martha Manual, how to do almost everything, and that's a that's sort of a compilation that just of many many hundreds of ideas that came from letters that people write us. How do you do this? How do you do that? Oh yeah. And um, so as now we're doing the organizer, the home organizer, and uh, I came up with a good title yesterday, which I. Forgot, but they're using it, and uh, but it's not it's not um, it's important. To have you done a them. Have you done a leadership secrets title or like a how to conquer the business world? No, no, I wrote the Martha Rules, ah. uh, which is the ten it's ten rules for starting your own business, hmm. and I wrote that, uh, and I like that book a lot. People, it's a business book that that also my my regular publisher did not publish, um, but uh, but it's sold very very well. Hmm. And um, it's time for an upgrade. Yeah, the next version. Well, this is the vast global Amazon, enterprise edition. Amazon wants that book. You know, they, they want the, up, they want the up, updated version. Martha, thank you so much for talking with us. This has been so interesting and so good.